No one in Switzerland right now is thinking like, hmm, I wonder if this is all a scam. You know, they're not. They're just like, yeah, we're just going to keep innovating in this space. They're just running at a thousand miles an hour and we're struggling over here to just even begin to catch up. Welcome to the DDT podcast. DDT stands for Decentralized Design Thinking. In this podcast, we're going to look at all the DDT thinkers around the world, what they're up to and how they're innovating in the Web3 space. I'm Jason Goodman. And I'm Tasha B. This is a production of Spark and Mint, a creative capital research design and marketing studio. We partner with bold Web3 ventures and brands, creating new products and experiences that disrupt and inspire. None of the following is investment, tax, legal, or business advice. For a list of Spark and Mint's venture partners, please visit our website, sparkandmint.com slash venture dash partners. All right, so Tasia, you're probably wondering, why did we even create this podcast and why are you on it? Well, I mean, you basically just called me into this tiny room and asked me to speak into a mic, so... Uh... Yeah, listen, I'm really excited today that we are kicking off this DDT podcast it's amazing. Like a few months ago, you know, we were just thinking about what we could possibly do in this space that could be interesting. And honestly, it just felt like there was not a lot of design voices in the room that were talking about Web3. And obviously with Spark and Mints, like that's what we do every day. But when I was listening to podcasts, there's a few that I love and I just couldn't really find anything that was, you know, felt like ours, our tribe talking about uh you know, the wonderful world of Web3 from the eyes of designers. So I'm just, I'm really excited that you're you're in the room and that you're going to give a perspective on all this as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> happy to be with Sparkman in general. But um, I think when I was chatting with you a few months ago, before this agency even really was what it is now, it's grown so quickly. Um, you were telling me you were starting a Web3 agency. And I was like, not really sure how that works different to Web 2. And I just had so many questions. But I think what I really appreciate about this space is because it's so new, no one is really an expert. So the fact that we can feel comfortable coming on here and sharing things that we're learning as we're learning it, um, we're sort of in the same space as everybody else. We're all just figuring it out. Um, so that's it takes it. the pressure off, first of all. <laughs> that's it. No, that's but, it. Uh, it's, 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 you're sharing the perfect sentiment. That's like, we wanted to be a bit vulnerable. We have to be, right? Like we're talking about new stuff. And, you know, with this podcast, we're going to go around the world and try and get a really global perspective of what's going on and not just a Canadian and, you know, North American perspective. And that's why I thought it was really important to start in Switzerland, because there's like, obviously, you know, with, with Crypto Valley being what it is, and there's so much activity happening in that arena, in that particular location, um, it just seemed silly to talk about like, what's happening here first. I feel like we're always talking about Canada first or US first. And yeah, we're intentionally going to go around the world with this podcast and try and bring you the listener, like, really different perspectives and exciting stories about what's happening, what projects are being started and, and what initiatives and uh, what news is happening all around the world. So yeah, we're totally going to learn as we go together. And we are not experts, as you'll soon find out. This is literally like the word that we'll never say. Yeah, we just said it like five times. <laughs> <laughs> Banned. It's out. 
No more experts. No more experts. Damn, I said it again. This episode of the DDT podcast is brought to you with support from Weavik. Which apparently means that they didn't tell us what we need to talk about on this podcast, but they gave us money to do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about this month in Web3, what's happening in this space generally, and Tej and I will just be having a little chat about it, and hopefully uh, it'll be a great way for all of you listeners to kind of catch up on this fast-moving space, and in case you missed something, uh, find something that you hadn't heard of. Tej, I think the big theme here is, you know, the beginning of the year, everything was like on fire. Uh, the market was hot. Everyone was optimistic. Obviously, people were scooping up NFTs like crazy and, and watching the ETH and Bitcoin prices soar. And we are now in deep in the bear market times. I actually think that, you know, the focus of the conversation lately has been too negative. Like bear market to me doesn't mean negative. It just means down. It, to me, it means like, okay, it's down for a reason. Because things were overvalued. And now is the time to start building things that have value. I think also when I first kind of started learning about NFTs and, and Web3, I think this was like back in, I'm going to say maybe the beginning of the year, whenever there was this huge boom and Beeple had his NFT and it sold and it went crazy, one of my friends started making NFTs and that's sort of how I started to learn about the space. And mm -hmm. I think there was clearly a lot of inflation and overvaluation of a lot of those pieces of art. I mean, not to say anything against the artists, but how crazy that boom was at the beginning. And now it's starting to level out a little bit. I think that kind of speaks to the market in general, where usually when things blow up, there's a huge boom and people get concerned when there's a drop. But really, I think it's just like the natural type of adjustment that happens totally. um, with everything, even just regular products. You buy a pair of sneakers, they, they come out, they're 500 bucks. You know, four months later, they're 200. It's just the natural progression of things. So I don't necessarily think it's something to worry about. Yeah. And I, what I really thought like was amazing about the initial NFT boom was it forced everyone to have this conversation about value that no one really typically has. Right. Cause everyone, you know, there was like one camp of people that were saying like, Oh my God, like you're spending so much money on a JPEG that I can copy and what the hell. And on the other side is, you know, you had these people saying, well, how does anything have value? Right. And like, Value is an abstract construct to a degree. And then we talked about, well, what is that degree and why, you know, what what is value, you know? And that, I think, is a really healthy conversation. And I think what's happened is, you know, now that the hype is down and, you know, the market's down and, you know, I actually think that crypto prices and the bear market of, like, crypto prices going down with the market is actually a great signal. It's like crypto is a real market. And it's tied to the real market. And it's just kind of going along the same waves as everything else. So, like, yeah, it's been, it's been hard. And for people who are holding on to a lot of crypto and crypto investors, yeah, tough times. But I think this is just the time to, you know, reevaluate, like, why is anything valuable? And how do we create more value in this Web3 space? I think the great thing about it is clearly the 
increase in autonomy that people will have over investments that they make. And this isn't just strictly in, you know, investing in the market, but there are so many different ways that you can be a part of, you know, the, a Web3 community now. It's a lot of it is about building community. Um, it's it's not really just like, what is the price of that coin? Right. So that's what I found actually the most interesting when I started learning about this space is all the different companies creating a product that would be traditionally a regular e-commerce product or some sort of community that we would do traditionally without crypto involved how you can increase that value and autonomy to the community by using a Web3 connection, I think is really, really cool. That's the opportunity I see. Um, a lot of it are really cool for artists or other types of creative communities that didn't have those autonomous opportunities. Like, right. I think that's amazing. But there's been so many projects that we've worked on where I wouldn't have even thought Web3 would be a component for. So to see how unlimited that value is, I think is just really cool um, in general. It's not really just NFTs and art. Um, there's actually so many different components to this industry that I'm learning about. Um, so I think that unlimited opportunity is just amazing. That's it. So this month has got to be about the f the foundations. Like go back to the foundations, right? Like why why is anybody working on blockchain anyways? Because there's an opportunity to improve identity management and there's an opportunity to improve security and having more control of your finances and being to share in participation and value exchange with groups and communities and companies and artists and everybody. Um, there's just so many things that, web, that we can do with technology to sort of solve some of these social problems, really. That's what it's about. And I actually think it's also awesome from a design perspective because you're seeing this kind of revitalization of brand, right? Like, like looking at, you know, the apes buying the punks and, you know, what, you know, Yuga Labs did and, you know, Artifact with Nike, like there's there's really like a lot of attention again on brand, whereas I think for a while there, you know, I, I can't speak for branding agencies because we obviously do branding, but there are agencies and we know them like, you know, all they do is brand, you know, they live and breathe brand. And, um, you know, we're a little bit more generalist in that sense, but other agencies who were like, I don't think things were exploding by any means, you know, before Web3 was a thing. But now, like, literally every Web3 project, it's not just about creating a great product. It's about building this brand again and be, and building communities that are, they're just tighter, you know? Like, they're, yeah, people are, like, really emotionally attached to these communities, you know? And the brands associated with all of these uh, projects are like a hot commodity again. Like it's a hot topic again. I think it would be nice for us to touch a little bit on what we mean by community because I think people are throwing that word around a lot. Obviously, mm. a lot of listeners are probably really new to Web3 in general. Um, and when you say the word blockchain, like sometimes people's eyes just glaze over and they're like, oh, my God, like, let me exit this conversation. If you're going to tell me how to buy and sell crypto online, I'm going to lose it. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not this. Uh, so just to kind of recap a little bit for everybody listening, any different service 
can use blockchain technology to basically, it's sort of like a stamp of ownership of a transaction. It doesn't matter what the transaction is. You don't even have to think of like trading in that context. It's just a stamp of just record. Record. Um, and then in terms of building communities, a lot of things that people were doing were, I think, Discord emerged, which is sort of like Slack for well, Web3 community is really using Discord as mm-hmm. a way for their communities to connect. Um, and there's like some additional kind of functionality that Discord has that can help you create these communities. Permissions, mostly. Permissions. Um, but I think what we mean as well about community is that okay, you're in a like-minded space where people are sharing similar ideas, but the benefit of these communities is that people have autonomy and ownership a part of this community. They have a voice. They have a voice. It's like you can be a advocate for what you feel the company or the community you're a part of, the decisions that they should make. Like, you can have a stake in that, in these different types of communities. Or an actual vote. Or an actual vote. Like a governance token governance that when allows you, talk you about, to vote. Yeah, exactly. And when I was learning about DAOs, I thought that was really cool. So DAOs are those communities where the members of the DAO have autonomy in making decisions for these different communities and businesses. So that's really huge. Like any one of our listeners who thinks they don't know about Web3 or crypto, you could join a DAO and you could have a say in, you know, what decisions these companies and these products are making. Yeah, it's way more collaborative. So cool. Yeah, and and I think the challenge that everyone's facing in Web3 now, and I'm sure investors who are investing in these kind of companies would tell you the same thing, which is that just because something's a DAO, and I think for a while it was like, oh, you're starting a DAO? Here's $5 million. Now it's like, (laughs) oh, wait a minute. Like, so no one's in charge of your organization and you're going to accomplish things? That sounds amazing. Actually, no. Like, when you have systems that are, like, very structured, people still have a hard time accomplishing anything. But when you have an organization that's decentralized, where it's a global company, where, you know, there's no one really sort of, you know, leading the pack. Right. It's I think a lot of DAOs are really struggling to actually be efficient. So it's going to take time. But I think the the hope is there and the belief is there and the opportunity is there to figure it out because it's way more creative. That's for sure. And I think as creatives, we should like embrace this. Right. Like, you know, we're working right now with, a, a you know, a company that's trying to create this framework for musicians, for fans to be able to invest in them and help them along in their careers and they can own more of their work and all that good stuff. Um, So like the music industry and these creative industries are going to like, you know, I think really move forward, like actually move forward for real, you know, like out of the, the dark ages of like really centralized, like mega corporations driving everything, you know? Yeah. So that's exciting. And what I love, too, and what I hope for this podcast as well is to not only speak to the community of people who are creating these products and involved in this and doing those amazing, you know, innovative things, but also people who are intimidated by it and don't necessarily think they know so much about it, which makes them feel like they can't participate. I want to break down some of those barriers and help people understand that you don't have to have all this 
previous knowledge to start dipping your toes in and understand how to participate in things that you're interested in. Um, I know it might seem scary because even when you're like, oh, I got to get a wallet and then I got to do all this stuff. And at first you're like, okay, it just seems like a lot, but take that step. And I promise it's not as scary as it sounds. And you'll actually open up a whole new world for yourself. Like even just by taking that step to listen to something like this, you're already just staying in the know and you're going to be, you know, better off by just understanding that space. Um, So hopefully this will help people not feel as intimidated by um, this kind of new emerging technology. 100%. Like there's, you know, there was, like we're calling it Web3. I didn't even know that we were in Web2 at one point or Web1. It was just like, (laughs) it's just the internet, okay? Everything's moving fast. Technology's moving fast. We have no idea what's going on. So if you care about, I think the reason I'm in design or software design at all is really just because I like you know, trying to solve problems. And I think if you're a problem solver and you care about any industry, it's worth understanding, you know, what new tools are out there that, you know, that could be helpful for your industry. And maybe there's something there that'll transform your particular industry in a way that you could never have thought of before. And come on, that's definitely worth looking at. So. All right, folks. So today we are going to be talking about the latest and greatest in Web3 in Switzerland. And our producer, Avery, is going to give you the complete lowdown on this beautiful country. Best known for its chocolate, cheese, yodeling, and of course, the crisp snow-covered Alps, Switzerland is one of the most beautiful places on Earth, but also one of the most expensive places to live on this planet second only to Bermuda, and closely followed by Norway and Iceland. We know Switzerland for playing host to half of the world's luxury watch brands and some of the biggest banks worldwide, and for being home to the CERN Super Collider. With a population topping 8.5 million, Switzerland boasts four official languages, German, French, Italian, and Romanche, each of them spoken in different regions of the country. So, why are we interested in Switzerland, other than a diverse population, great skiing, and some mountain-shaped Swiss chocolates? Well, just a 36-minute train ride south from Zurich, nestled on a scenic lake, is the charming and picturesque town of Zouk. Known by two names, the land of cherries, and more importantly for us, Crypto Valley. With a population about the same size as Fargo, North Dakota, Zook is home to a total of 450 blockchain companies and is the birthplace of Ethereum. This crypto valley is now a globally recognized blockchain hub with the valuation of its top 50 companies reaching over half a trillion U.S. dollars, fueled by no less than 14 blockchain unicorns. In 2016, Zook became one of the first places in the world to announce it would be accepting Bitcoin as a form of payment. In total, Switzerland has approximately 6,000 employees working directly with Web3 at 1,200 blockchain companies nationwide, including blockchain goliaths like Ethereum, Solana, Nier, Medico, Cardano, and Curve. And so, since the decentralized heartbeat in Switzerland beats strong, we thought there was no better place to start our podcast adventure into decentralized design thinking than the home of Crypto Valley itself. All right, so let's do a DDT report summary here to talk about why we're creating these reports in the first place. So uh, at Spark and Mint, 
you know, we really just decided that it was important to, you know, try and get a global perspective of what's happening in the world of Web3, but try and bring a design perspective to all that. So the DDT reports, here's what you could expect. We're every month going to be choosing a different part of the world. We're going to be investigating what are the key projects and, um, you know, sort of most exciting Web3 components of that particular geographical region. And we'll try and bring those insights that we gather and sort of key takeaways that we've got from the research that we've done and share them with all of you. We produce these reports online. So if you want to read them in full uh, with all the wonderful, beautiful beautiful package that we put together online for you. Uh, just go to sparkandmint.com and check out the DDT media section for a Switzerland report. So uh, in the blockchain category, we look at two key companies. We look at Solana. Uh, Solana is a decentralized blockchain that's built to enable scalable user-friendly apps for the world. And so you'll find a, a deeper dive into Solana, which uh, has strong roots in Switzerland. And as well, Tej, as you know, we've done some some work with uh, on the Near protocol. Uh, so that particular protocol as well is one that gets uh, a nice amount of focus on our report. The Near protocol is is really interesting in terms of being a scalable technology, a proof of stake blockchain um, that has really interesting UX, high speed transactions, and low fees. So those are two of the the two companies that you'll find under the blockchain section. Okay, so for the NFT and art section, uh, there's this really cool company called For Art Technology. Uh, they're fighting the battle against art plagiarism, um, and they're basically creating a way for you to watermark your NFT art, um, sort of like a digital fingerprint. Obviously, we know when we try and download stock photos with the watermark, this is like the NFT version of that. Um, so great for artists, terrible for plagiarism. Um <laughs> So for all you plagiarizers out there, watch the F out. Um, Alien Worlds is a decentralized game uh, where you can actually find NFTs um, and you can use them to connect with other players, which is really cool. Uh, there's a coin called Trillium that you can use in the game. Um, it gives you power in the planet, the planet DAOs. So it kind of sounds like... In this world that Alien Worlds has, there's like different autonomous communities in there. That sounds pretty cool. I love video games. This is like a whole new world of that um, for me. So that's pretty interesting. Um, we need more time to play all these games. Well, I mean, listen, if you would week. let us carve out a section of our calendars every week to play video games, like I will fully take advantage of that. So, Like we need like recess design team i'm gonna start design team <laughs> recess if everybody at spark and mint design team can hear that all right let's do it if you'd like to read more about the nft and art section again you can deep dive from our website into the switzerland ddt report all right under the ddt section for uh DeFi, here's what you're going to find uh bitcoin swiss it's a crypto based financial service uh, that helps clients buy, sell, and trade crypto. Um, so yet another player in the uh, DeFi space that uh, allows you to move all the all the goods back and forth and uh, try and get your yield, everyone. Everyone's so focused on their yield. So uh, Bitcoin Swiss will help you with that. Uh, Signum is Switzerland's first full-fledged crypto bank empowers its clients to invest in the digital asset economy with complete trust. So um, hopefully 
with uh, crypto banks. It won't just be like you know replacing one uh, evil corporation for another. Hopefully, uh, crypto banks will be way better. Well, you lost me at complete trust, but <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Trust. You us. can tell that this is like probably copied from their website. We're like, what? the heck does this company to we're and they're we're like giving them a free ad okay they're we're like them listen a free ad. just so you all know we will foster complete trust and i'm like well holding you to it uh they might need to call us uh to to rename the company though signum doesn't roll off the tongue too well signum? i don't know <laughs> signum <laughs> it's just not it's not doesn't say crypto bank to me but uh i don't know sometimes brands just they surprise you so I could be wrong on that one. And then there's the Web3 Foundation, which is just, you know, love those two those two terms together, Web3 and Foundation. And uh, they're as, as awesome as they sound. They're uh, an entity that, you know, they support, nurture, and fund, you know, Web3-based research. And that's what we need. That's what we're doing here. But we also need more of it. We need people to support researching and understanding the space uh, if we're going to actually build valuable products and services for it. I think we could all agree to that. And uh, so, yeah, that's what the Web3 Foundation is about. And uh, they're very cool. Learn more about all of this uh, to read the full report at sparkandmint.com. All right. So before we move on to our next segment, here is a word from our sponsor at Weavik. This podcast is brought to you in part by one of our investors and partners, Weavik. Weavik builds modern technology for the web of today with an eye towards transition plans and scalability in the future. As somebody who's worked extensively with development teams, all the developers I've worked with at Weavik are great, um, super knowledgeable. I mean, what more could you really want out of a dev team? It's a good place to start. All right, let's dive in. So Tej, mm-hmm. for me, you know, this whole experiment of investing time and effort and energy in creating these reports, like to me, the big takeaways were, you know, not so much of like, oh my God, there's these crazy things that are happening in Switzerland that are not happening in everywhere, everywhere else in the world. It was more just that, you know, it was the attitude. So, you know, the fact that there's crypto value, the fact that it's, you know, everything's just more advanced. No one in Switzerland right now is thinking like, hmm, I wonder if this is all a scam. You know, they're not. They're just like, uh, yeah, we're just going to keep innovating in this space. And, uh, you know, because it's what you should do. Right. It's logical. Yeah. You guys see that, right? They're, <laughs> like, just, they're like, just very calm about it. Right. They're just running at a thousand miles an hour and we're struggling over here to just even begin to catch up. Um, and they're already inventing cool shit that everybody is probably going to want to do like 40 years later over here. I feel like that's how things usually work (laughs) in Canada and the U.S. They're like, and 40 years later, (laughs) like we're literally still like horse and bugging it over here. And Switzerland's like, I don't know, built a blockchain spaceship or something. Right. But we're going to steal everything that they're doing and then say that we did it first. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, great trend. We totally thought of it first. 
So maybe you can catch me up a little bit about that. Um, like what are what was some of your favorite stuff that piqued your interest that was happening in Switzerland? Really, it's kind of the boring stuff. It was the boring stuff. Just that, like, okay, they've taken the time to establish, you know, regulations that allow you to, you know, operate a bank and operate, you know, address, you know, finances that accommodate for the fact that people have crypto as part of an, an asset in their portfolio. Like it's just. They're not struggling like, what What should we do about this? You know, like in the U.S., like you'll hear about the SEC and they're just like, you could just picture that boardroom meeting where they're all like, you know, should we do something about those crypto fellas? <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, just Honestly, like everything, throwback, right? Everything bank related just makes you want to like crawl up in a ball and evaporate. Yeah. And, and like in Canada, you know, like the entire country is just focused on Trudeau's haircut right now. So like they just can't think about this. Yeah, honestly, I would love to know how they're incorporating crypto into a banking model. Obviously, there's taxes that are going to become a component of that, like making it easier for you to show how much money you've made uh, using crypto. I'm just very interested to see how that works. And like, does that bank also offer other traditional you know, things that you can you take out a loan, like a crypto based loan? Can you like mortgage your house using like how what can you do? Right. When you think bank, you think of all the things that you would traditionally go to a bank for. Um, and I would just be very interested to see how are they doing this differently? Because there are so many problems with traditional banking methods. Um, also, like the incredible amount of biases there are towards lending and it becomes a huge barrier for people to even be able to take advantage of the traditional banking that's methods. a hot topic you're talking about right like now. i actually that's why i hate banks and i know we have to use them and i'm sorry if i'm not even allowed to i don't know why i wouldn't even be allowed to say that but i worked for one i've had so many personal issues with them and if there's anything that I'm passionate about is trying to figure out how to make these systems that suck a tiny bit less shittier for people. I would love to know what they're actually doing, because if if they're going to a make using crypto easier for people to jump on board with, I think that's super important because right now it's pretty complicated by the standards of, you know, most of us like I don't know. If I wanted to go and start using a crypto bank today, I wouldn't have no idea where to start. So how are they making it accessible to people in general, like reducing those barriers? And then how are they improving the systems that are broken? Because um, those broken systems exist everywhere. These are very, very, very good points you're making and questions. I think so. The first thing I wanted to comment on is, you know, I think part of what these banks are going to do is... I think doing is they're also just acting as a like safe exchange. So in the same way that we have lots of exchanges where like, okay, let's say you do want to, you know, purchase a particular coin, you, you know, they've facilitate that. It can be facilitated, right? So custody is one of the things that I'm looking at Signum right now. Like, so custody is one of the things that they offer, um, asset management. They do have lending as, as something here. Um, so let's see here. Signum's credit offer allows you to use your digital assets to obtain liquidity or to reinvest. 
use over 20 different digital assets as collateral. So I think it's also just like, that's what I was thinking about before is like, they're, they're, they're creating mental models for what crypto is and what it isn't, right? And that's why they like accountants, oh my God, like we're going to definitely need to talk to some like accounting, accountants and get some perspectives on all of this because, um, I mean, you're more financial, financially savvy than I am, but like, if if a ton of your portfolio is um, in the form of tokens, uh, are those, so I guess those are considered assets. So then, if they're going down, you know, at the end of the year, depending on how they did, you should be able to claim, like in your income taxes, you know, either net losses or net gains, right? And that should all be fair game. So I think right now, a lot of those, a lot that specific act of like, you know, reporting, I think right now that's just not happening right like in fact i think that part of the lure of crypto for in the, in north america has been that like i'm doing a bunch of stuff that the government doesn't know but about also, like, right I, like yeah you you're know, supposed to like they even it. say it on their like i don't know i think i use ledger live or something and they're like right. make sure you're doing your financial reports and then you bring it to your accountant they're like what like i don't even know like, did you make money? Okay, I guess capital gains, but not like what? Nobody knows. Yeah, and like Wealthsimple added a feature to make it really easy for you to like generate reports and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think anyone's like it's no one's it's, doing it. I don't think so. No one's doing it. I don't know. Of course not. What do you mean? If there's an opportunity to not do something and fly under the radar, literally the most goody two shoes people on the planet are like, okay, so print out the financial statement and let's do this by the buck. Like, come on. How many people do you think are not doing it? Probably most people. Yeah. I lost $8,000 last year buying super ordinary villains. Let's let's report that. We're going to report, report it. But actually, it might be good to report it because um, isn't it kind of good if you lose a lot of money? Because then you can... <laughs> you, right? For, like, that's how the rich get richer, right? You're like, oh, just saying, oh, I, a lot of I money. lost a lot of money. So I, you know, I can put that against my income tax, right? So like... If it's I an pay expense, less income tax. If it's an expense. Yeah, but losing money on the stock market is not a, oh, an expense. No, that's no. not good. <laughs> Imagine, that'd be great. You're listening to the DDT Podcast, a production of Spark and Mint. So one of the things that I did really find interesting about this report was honestly just like the basic numbers of it all. Like the fact that there are 1,200 different blockchain or focused companies in Switzerland, and that uh, the valuation of the top 50 companies was, you know, almost like half a trillion dollars. Like Collectively? Yeah, collectively, yeah. So it's That's like crazy. actually $661 billion. Um, It's just the size of that market. And you know, like, you know, it's just early days, right? Yeah. And Switzerland's like, you know, obviously they're, they're a powerhouse in, in the DeFi sector and in banking and all that kind of stuff. But still, that's a lot of, uh, and obviously, again, um, just to like the to finish that thought, like a lot of the most exciting and sort of promising blockchains foundations, they're setting up in Switzerland because Switzerland understands what the hell's going on. Like they they know their shit, so they're they're going there to set it all up. So it's not necessarily that all all the activity is only there, but that's a ton of value creation that's centered there, and a ton of a, still a ton of activity. It's really cool. Yeah. That number is insane just for the, the size of the region. So that's incredible. Um, I'm always going to bring my air of skepticism on like valuation inflation. 
That's a thing. So we're going to take the same valuation inflation we did to the tech market because this is a new industry Mm -hmm. and it's going to be very inflated as valuations often are. Um, So I'd be interested to see how that is done for Mm -hmm. the crypto market. Obviously, valuation is in... They're just a basically adding, right? They're adding the value of the estimated like valuation of all those key like 15 unicorns and plus blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I'm almost just wondering and I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Yeah. I'm just curious. So because everything in Web3 is so new, just like tech was like back in the day, it was so crazy and cool that, you know, the valuation is almost unlimited. They're like, wow, there's just so much unlimited value here. But like every other company, that's not the case. Like not the, I think one of the things that I find really interesting is because there's so much autonomy in the web three space, like anyone can create a coin. Anyone can create a DAO. Anybody can do this. Anybody can do that. Yes. Anyone can also create a tech company, but it's investment works different very differently in tech companies Mm -hmm. then there's still a ton of inflation in valuation then we're going to move into an an industry where it's actually a lot easier to create DAOs and create companies and to create coins um so a how can you even begin to put a valuation on a company because every Everything you're using is so different. I on mean, the company or on the tokens? I mean, it's kind like of token value. I it's get kind of related, saying. right? Like, let's. I mean, not all companies are going to use this model, but like, right. let me use one as an example. So, there's a company that allows you to create DAOs and coins in that company structure. Obviously, that company is going to have its own value, but. Let's say you have like a ton of really high profile companies using that model. The valuation is going to go up based on the stability of the company using your model to create DAOs and coins, right? Like, would that not affect that valuation? But because a lot of people are able to jump onto that system as well and create a DAO. Like, let's, okay, let's use this as an example. You're seeing me squint, by the way, because I'm I'm squinting because I'm thinking what you're talking about is like, um, like, if, I'm just if wondering about... if it has, like, a weird effect where you're, like, <sighs> it just seems so, it's still a lot of it's, like, very airy in, like, oh, anybody can create this, anybody can create that. So how can you even begin to put a valuation, especially if, even if you're just talking about, like, different, like, if you, one's on ETH, one's on Bitcoin, one's on Near, one's on this, like, they're all such different values. And then that type of evaluation, and then the fact that you can create value within that or, I think I think you know I get what, what I mean it's like a let box inside, to, of a box inside to, of a box yes let me try and unpack that a little bit okay so one of the things that is interesting about valuation is that you have uh, if, if everyone sort of thinks of each individual blockchain as a city mm-hmm. right so it's like okay you have the the eth city and then you have like you know well bitcoins maybe may look at Solana okay so you have these different communities and ecosystems that are popping up. And then within those ecosystems, people are choosing sometimes to be building exclusively within that region and they're creating value. But then how do you compare that region's value to the other value? And that that is tricky. Right. That's kind of what I mean. That was a good explanation. Sorry for the people who no, no, really no, no. know this what is good. This, this is, is good. that I totally butchered that. But yeah. No, no, no. This is good. And then I think the other thing is 
not only is that valid to think about, like, okay, so how how do we juxtapose one to the other? Um, you know, I think especially when things aren't pegged, right? So the whole you know UST debacle, obviously, like you know pegging to the dollar. Like sometimes there's this perceived um, stability of the token because it's pegged to a right. an established or not even established, but like you know a, a known a known. We're talking about unknown entities mm-hmm. pegged to something known that gives it, you know, so um, that also can, you know, that makes it even harder to do because, you know, someone's going to come along and say, oh, you know, like you're valuing, you know, something at, at a certain value and saying that uh, we know that it's that value because it's pegged. But look at this example two seconds ago where, you know. Uh, when something loses, when a token loses its peg, it, it's rendered completely valueless. So I think we have to go back to, that's what I was saying like right at the top of this podcast, like it's really interesting how it's bringing back up the the notion of what value really is, mm-hmm. right? So to a degree, in theory, blockchain companies and DAOs should actually make it easier to evaluate value because like private companies you know, good luck trying to understand, like, what's that company really worth, you know, when they finish all their, like, backdoor accounting. Right. The fact that everything's transparent and open, I think, actually gives us an opportunity to, not, like, almost in real time see value, mm-hmm. right? And, like, algorithms are going to be there that are going to help us sort of make predictions around that. And I don't know. I think when you look at just tech in general, like, 10-plus years ago, like, I remember – um there was this guy that I was working at an agency and there was this guy who was so passionate about AR technology. And he was walking around the office with um, these AR glasses and he looked like someone from like science fiction world, you know? And I looked at him like, you know, it's so cool that he's investing all this time and trying to understand this technology. And I tried it on and I tried it out and I was like, you know what? I think, you know, it's, we're just not ready. You know, because like I was trying, I was trying so hard to think of like, what is, where's the value here? And the value is like, oh, like when I'm making an omelet, I could wear my glasses that have a screen embedded in them and I could see the, you know, the steps of all the things I need to do in a heads up way. But I'm sitting here with a phone that has a little stand on it that does the same thing. The value is not enough, right? And so that's where VR and AR in the world of simulation started to like make headway and you're like oh now the value is really starting to show itself right like sure it's nice for you and i to pop on an oculus and like you know go fly around and you know collect coins and befriend owls i I don't know like that's (laughs) like okay that has some value but it's also you know maybe good that like someone's able to you know like have like really immersive training yeah that's (laughs) or you know like in, in a safe way and like aviation and all that stuff and that's been around for a while so i think we all instinctively know that web3 is gonna have a lot of those examples where like you know um like there's projects like the universal basic income that are happening in the blockchain world there's a lot of non-profity stuff like we spend a lot of time talking about all the like you know the coins and this like we kind of treat it like wall street all the time but there's a lot of very, very uh, interesting projects out there in the blockchain space that are looking at, like, you know, how to make the world a better place. And you kind of get the sense that, like, yeah, Web3 technologies are going to help us get there. So I'm rambling now, but we were talking about value. Like, I think at the end of the day, we're going to have to revisit what value is and then um, and then use a little bit of common sense and actually 
enjoy the transparent numbers to see like are these entities like real? Yeah, right. I, I definitely are these can projects see that. actually real. The accountability of blockchain and how transparent it can be, I think that's going to do a lot. Um, but I just have, like everyone else, so many questions. So. Yeah. This podcast is a production of Spark and Mint. Spark and Mint is a creative capital research, design, and marketing studio that partners with bold Web3 ventures and brands. To stay up to date with all our releases, research reports, and more, check out our website at sparkandmint.com or subscribe to our newsletter. We will link to our very first DDT report discussed in this episode in the show notes, or you can head directly to sparkandmint.com slash DDT Switzerland. The hosts of this podcast are myself, Jason Goodman, CEO of Spark and Mint, and our design lead, Teja Bean. Alex Kowalczyk is our head of marketing. Avery Moore-Kloss is our podcast producer. A special thanks to our design research intern, Cecilia Hubinet, for all her amazing work on the DDT report. And to get in touch with us, you can just send us an email at whatever is linked on our Spark and Mint website. Might be a form, might be an email. but Or click way. your heels three times. Click your heels three times, we'll descend from the sky. Um, yeah, we promise we will actually respond to your email. So if you're interested in working with us or learning more about being a part of our reports, um, just shoot us a note. Now this is over. <laughs> How about we harmonize on the word... End of jam. Right? You have to give me the note. I don't know the note. It's end of jam. Okay. Can you do that? End of jam. That's right. I'm going to go end of jam. Okay, ready? End of jam.